This to me, looks, he's too solid. I think it's just a person. It's just a guy. Yeah. It's a guy with a long white beard and a hat. It's a guy dressed up like <clears throat> Monet. Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week, it's ghost story time. We are going to talk about haunted museums around the world. That's right. Yeah, we're going to take a trip. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, who doesn't like to do this? You go somewhere new, check out a cool museum, why not? Absolutely. Talk about a way to cool off. You're right. Actually, before we started recording the episode, we were talking with the people who watch us live on YouTube at youtube.com slash gttupod each Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time about the weather, about how Will and I are very pumped for fall. A lot of people in the chat are as well, and they're tired of being hot. Museums are a great thing to do when yes. you cool off they're that fun all the time um but it, to escape the elements hit me with uh, your favorite museum oh i don't what, i'm, what I'm horrendous at favorites uh, um the natural uh -oh. history history museum okay fine what i don't know it sounded like maybe you were like a, a liar for a second or something you think i'm lying saying i'm horrendous at favorites no saying that you love you talking so much about how much you love museums then you couldn't think of one i always go to museums ow, when i go ow, places ow, ow. <laughs> <laughs> Natural History Museum is yeah. I love the dioramas. I know, so do I. That the big, uh, the big blue whale room. Yep. In New York City. Yeah. The big apple with a big blue whale. That's right. Nothing finer. Absolutely. So we are going to go back and forth talking about some museums that have guests that are non-living. That's true. Mm -hmm. Yes, I've got some other stuff besides just the non-living because I found yeah. something that I just thought was cool. Yeah, yeah. You probably already know about it. I sent it to Allie and she. Let's start off you with know, that. Just start with this. It's not, it's not a ghost. We'll get That's ghosts. Fine. We're going to get ghosts, I promise. Mm -hmm. But I was looking at the Smithsonian. So the Smithsonian down in D.C., they house all kind of stuff. Uh, historical stuff, obviously, but some of it's very pop culture oriented. Like for a million years, they've had Dorothy's yep. um, ruby slippers from The Wizard of Oz. They've mm -hmm. had one of the original Kermit the Frog puppets. So it's, it's, it's a really good mix of a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. But I found out that they had an exhibit there in the last few years from Francis Glessner Lee. The exhibit is named after something that this person did, which she called the nutshell studies of oh, unexpected. Oh, yes, I do know about this. I, 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 Kristen, the second I saw this. Yeah. I, I, it's awesome. I, I don't know that I've ever seen it before. I've seen things inspired by this. But, oh, my God. Yeah. I was so excited. So it's called The Nutshell Studies of Unexpected Death. Now, here's the description. They are exquisitely detailed miniature crime scenes to train homicide investigators to, quote, convict the guilty, clear the innocent, and find the truth in a nutshell. These dollhouse-sized dioramas of true crimes created in the first half of the 20th century are still used in forensic training today, helped to revolutionize the emerging field of homicide investigation. And so one of the ones that I uh, pulled here just from my own, um, my own notes is called the three-room dwelling. And this was done somewhere around 1944 to 1946. Mm -hmm. And it depicts a room clearly of a dollhouse. Like the furniture, when you look at it, is obviously miniature. Um, it is so interesting, though. The chairs of this room are knocked over. They're like tipped over onto the side. There is a woman sleeping in bed and a man who has fallen out of bed. And there are blood stains on their pajamas, blood stains on the mattress mm -hmm. and so this was instead of sending your field agents to a crime scene you would reenact the crime scene as a dollhouse literally dollhouse furniture yeah 
and have them pour over the clues. Right. To to figure out what's going on in there. Right. And I've I've just I've seen this like there was a serial killer on CSI. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Who uh, uh, killed people and then would arrange dioramas of the entire surroundings or whatever. There was uh, Jigsaw famously did this, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, Wait, he did when? I don't remember. In Saw 1 and Saw 5, I want to say, they show that Jigsaw would create, create little dioramas of some of his games and stuff. I've and, completely forgotten that. Yeah. And uh, they, they never dwelled on it that much. It's, yeah. At a certain point in Saw 5, um, one of his um, apprentices mm-hmm. does it themselves. They, like, look at a camera feed of all the the victims or whoever they've kidnapped for the trial, whatever. Right. Um, and one of them is lying, you know, face up, let's say. And he walks over to a little diorama and adjusts it so that his doll is facing up as well Uh which suggests that jigsaw and his apprentices routinely uh update their dioramas to make sure they're accurate (laughs) yeah it does (laughs) they're like sitting there studying them and there's no way they're doing that right right um but maybe it was inspired by uh by this person's work francis lesnar lee yeah there was also a, a headline she was on the cover of a newspaper and it was like grandma's obsessed with death why Francis Glessner Lee's, you know, little dollhouses are aiding law enforcement or something like that. Yeah. I just have never seen it before. And so they had this at the Smithsonian. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, there's so much that I want to like do with this. Yeah. I feel like people could be making their own like haunted house dollhouses, which I believe some I, people I'm do. I'm sure they do. I think that they probably do, but it's in a niche way. Right. Like cynical marketing brain goes like, oh, you could market this to people and have them create crime scene dollhouses, haunted dollhouses. Without question, you could. And it's not impossible if they do. I know. There but might I'm, be kits on Etsy for this. A hundred percent. But again, I'm saying niche. I think yeah. you could find a way to make that uh, bigger or make that like a business or like every uh, uh I wonder why I think this way. Every month you get another, yeah, right. like, uh, some in- information to build your own crime scene yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like that. Like, you buy a dollhouse up front. Right. And then you get the materials to fill in each room. Yes. Over the course of time. Sure. And yeah. as you fill in the room, it tells a story. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, but I look at this with storytelling brain, and I'm like, this is the, a great mechanism for telling a story. Yeah. I, I think it's fascinating. And I just, you know, I sent it to Allie, and she was like, oh, I've known about this for a long time. Yeah. I'm like, I, yeah, I don't doubt it. I, I've never seen this before. Yeah, it's super cool. I wonder if they do that. I know that there's, um, like, Tony Collette in Hereditary builds miniatures. I wonder if that is a mechanism for the storytelling of Hereditary. Oh, maybe. Never saw it. I didn't either. I've but I know it's it. a thing. Same. I read all about it on Wikipedia. Fair enough. Well, I then, am good. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it already exists, but still, this no. This, but I mean, maybe that's worth looking up for you yeah. if you're interested in this and looking up clips or something that Probably. might be like a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it could like satisfy. That is true. That but itch. it felt mind expanding. Yeah. Speaking of story, if you'll indulge me for a moment, mm-hmm. themythtraveler.com. I've yeah. been doing a lot of storytelling, and I think this week it's probably already out. Um, as of uh, when this episode drops on Friday, I will have released a script and a treatment, uh, a little fun project that I did called How I Would Reboot Silent Hill. Mm-hmm. We covered the Silent Hill franchise here on the show. Yep. Um, I took a poll. People picked a franchise for me to theoretically reboot. Um, and I have uh, picked a little, uh, I've, I've written out how it would work as a little eight episode miniseries. 
awesome. a little uh, Mike Flanagan esque little mini series uh, that honors the franchise, but just tells a unique story in that world. Yeah, which I genuinely think would be a recipe for success. But so that's out right this second, and that's also just because I look at something and try to figure out a story. So mm-hmm. maybe go check that out. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. So is that what you have for that? That's what I had for that. I've got other stories for sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. So let's jump from D.C. over to New York and go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Please. Which apparently has... I'm Apparently has some stuff going on. Although I only found one source for this. Um, A lot of other people reference the singular source. So I, you know, who, who knows really? But... Stories of hauntings from the Met seem to come from a pair of ghost hunters called the Ghost Doctors. These are doctors and brothers, Pete and Stu Candle. Whoa, whoa, okay. Candle spelled K-A-N-D-E-L, and I could not find what they are doctors of. They are apparently each doctors. They are meant to actually be doctors. Yes, but I I couldn't find it. I googled their names separately and just doctor, but I couldn't hone in on, I couldn't hone in on it. There seem to be other people. and you know this quite well, everybody who has some sort of a ghost business, Uh they've got to be called the ghost something or the blah 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 hunters. Ghost doctors is a great name. It definitely But you might pick it even if you're not actually a doctor. So No, but apparently they they say they are. That's like what the thing is. And I was reading reviews for their ghost tours on uh, Google and like people call them like Dr. Steve and Dr. Pete or whatever their names are. Okay. Dr. Stu and Dr. Pete. Um, So they are apparently doctors. And the Observer, a website in 2013, which like I said, now every other website uses as the proof that the Met is haunted. It's all contaminated. Yep. Um, followed them along on a ghost investigation of the Met. I also want to mention that they do still do ghost tours. They have relocated and they serve the D.C. and Virginia areas now. Okay. And they do do a lot, a lot of haunted museum tours. Cool. So it's worth looking at. They have current dates available on ghostdoctors.com. Sweet. Uh, so, yeah. So, anyway... To go back in time, the Observer went with them to the Met to do an investigation using some tools. They had a thermometer, a Geiger counter. <laughs> you mean a thermometer? <laughs> what is this thermometer? This highly advanced piece of machinery. You know why I thought it was something other than a thermometer? I know exactly why you said it, but go ahead. No, why? Because I think I've done that too, so I'm not going to give you too much shit about no, it. No, no, no. I mean, well, no, I I typoed it here, so I glanced at it, and I was like, oh, it must be something that's not actually a thermometer. It must be like, oh, okay. uh, like a, a thing that doesn't exist in the Microsoft dictionary. Right. But no, you're right. It's just thermometer. Well, I because, just typoed it. But it's also because the amount of the time that, we, with how much we've talked about silly ghost tools oh i wrote thermometer that's why i didn't even write thermometer right yeah but the amount of times that we talk about like an emf reader or this meter or that meter i've done it as well where it's like oh they had an emf reader a meter and a thermometer and i'm like i forgot the word thermometer <laughs> yeah so i'm not going to give you too much hell over because i i definitely think that i've done that i've probably done it on a show as well but boy is it Goofy. That is really funny. A thermometer. A thermometer. Yeah. Uh, Geiger counter, an EMF reader, and dousing rods. Uh, so the interviewer for this asks them if, you know, if there are ghosts 
like you who are haunting the museum does that mean that they died in the museum and they said no like ghosts like to have fun just like anybody else does in the living life sure and so for some ghosts it's fun to go to the museum and with their hands clasped behind their backs maybe yeah, yeah just like peering in to to read the that little you know postcard on the side that tells you did a thing oh interesting it's some sort of a mollusk (laughs) bioluminescent mollusk huh okay all right that's what ghosts are doing (laughs) having fun that sounds fun to me i I agree listen i like it yeah Yeah. so honestly that rang true i could see myself just bouncing around between museums and the etheric realms sure that sounds great so the course of this investigation went this way. They investigated the Egyptian artifacts gallery and they had some spikes of EMF activity. Uh, but the doctor said it could just be the museum's electrical cables because the readings got stronger as they held the units to the floor. So they were like, all right, debunked. That's just something weird going on here. Uh, they had no such explanation, however, in the European Sculpture and Decorative Arts Wing. Oh my god. A bit of a mouthful. It is a very long name. I guess that's what it is, but... The European Decorative... European Sculpture and Decorative Arts. Okay. Uh, so there was a, an EMF spike by Louis XIV's Oak Writing Table. Oh, Yes. Uh, So they pulled out a recorder to try to get some EVPs and they asked questions. And when they listened back, even the writer had to admit that there seemed to be some sort of strange ghostly hissing sound that hadn't been present in the room. And I suppose as of publication in 2013, they didn't have resolution on this and they didn't update it because they said that the doctors said that they were going to bring this home and like analyze the audio. But then there was no follow up. So (laughs) that sounds like something I might do. (laughs) Totally. I'll I'll be right back. I'm going to. I'll analyze this. I'll get back to you. You just never hear from me again. Absolutely. Ever. <laughs> the ghostly hissing was all you really needed to know. I was, I, uh, this is a true story. I was, I just did a recording session. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I was working with all these performers and stuff. It was very, very fun. And at one point I kept hitting stop and record on the recorder. It was, it was not my material. It wasn't my right. tech. And I kept hitting stop and record as we were like, you know, to break up the line so I don't have like a five hour long file. And at one point the guy that I was working for keeps looking and he goes, it's recording, right? And I went, yeah, no, I, I, I recorded. He goes, because you stopped it before. And I went, I've been stopping and then recording. He goes, really? I went, yeah. And he goes, okay. And I went, listen, if I screwed up and there's nothing on that recording, don't worry. You'll just never see me again. Yeah, right. You will <laughs> never hear from me. I'm going to disappear. And he sort of chuckled because it was clearly a joke. Yeah. But uh, it, I was also being genuine. Like if I screwed up, I will just disappear. Yes. <laughs> I will just leave you alone forever. Yeah. You'll you'll never hear from me again. Exactly. Um, so they also got some interesting results with dousing rods. Uh, these are, if you don't know, these like L-shaped metal things. So you hold one angle of it in your hand. And then like at a right angle from that, there's like a long piece that goes out. So you hold one in each hand and you ask questions and you hope that the rods move the way you ask them to, to answer your question and or move away on their own to guide you toward an area. The word hope there is doing a lot of work. You would hope. Right. I hope this works. (laughs) (laughs) I'm familiar with dowsing rods being like, lead me to water. So that's like, yes. there's got to be water around here. Two dozen rods. Oh, God, I hope these point me the way of water. Well, William, water is an excellent conductor of electricity. Electromagnetic frequencies indicate that a ghost is present. 
What does that tell you? That's what I thought, you little bitch. You got nothing to say. Dousing rods work. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know if they work. So anyway, uh, so they were holding these dousing rods, and one immediately went to the right. So they walked in that direction, and when they approached an intricate gold door, they became parallel and stayed that way, okay. which communicated to them, ah, you don't have to keep turning or doing anything anymore. This is the spot we're supposed to be the at. The doors. The doors. Um, so they said, cross if you want to communicate to the ghost. And the dousing rods start to cross each other. <laughs> can't be replicated by the human hand i know you it's just funny for someone to tell you a story when they clearly don't believe a word of it (laughs) even the look on your face while you're telling the story is like it's horseshit even if you believe that that you know the ghosts could manipulate it like my hands shake all the time i'm always doing little mushy things with my why can't it be that the dowsing rods are like in a sleeve kind of thing you know what i mean or like they're in a cup like think about like a straw sticking out of a cup right the bend in the straw you hold the cup and therefore, the straws could move any way. But the, the fact that the, nah, the dowsing rods are just so. in your hands, I can turn my hands. Even the cup thing. like No if, one if controls anything. these hands but me. <laughs> if anything, I feel like you'd be even more susceptible to things just kind of like moving around. Oh, just wobbling the cup. Yeah, right? I think a person can't be holding the dowsing rods for That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so you know, they say, is there anybody there you want to communicate? They cross. Uh, they ask them to uncross them. They uncross. And then they ask them to cross again if this is a female they're communicating with, and they cross. That's a classic old chat room trick. Are you a girl? Yes, no. <laughs> Just ASL? Open. Yeah, yeah, ASL. It's a girl! It's a girl! Yeah. Yay! It definitely is! <laughs> um, so at one point, they... Oh, at one point, so the ghost doctors actually did guided tours there at the Met with groups. Yeah. I went, I was trying to find if they had any sort of social media presence. They don't seem to. First, I looked on Facebook because I thought that that's the place that perhaps the ghost doctors would hang out. Sure. No. And and I will say, there were breadcrumbs that, that led me to what I eventually discovered. Okay. This, this might be the biggest discovery of this Met exploration. I started to see... Like, lots of pictures of, like, a, a, a Korean young man with Ghost Doctor under it. And I was like, oh, okay, that's not the Ghost Doctor I'm looking for. I, you know, who knows what this guy's deal is. Then I went over to Instagram. I do Ghost Doctors. And I do find people at the Met being like, ah, look at me. I'm on a ghost tour with the Ghost Doctors. And again, lots of this Korean fellow. Come to find, there's a Korean character called the Ghost Doctor. Oh... There's nothing to that reveal. It's just well, that no, no, that no. exists. Is it? Oh, oh, it's totally distinct. He wasn't like visiting the Met. No, I think it's a TV show. It was a TV show called The Ghost Doctor. That's what I gather. In addition to their actually, definitely being ghost doctors yes. at the Met. Yes. Okay. Yes. Just separately, some people, not many. Well, maybe we using, should watch that show. Are using the hashtag Ghost Doctors for this show? It's a little late. <laughs> there were only like 30 posts under the hashtag goes doctors. Um, I can't help you. Yes, you are dead. Sorry. Yeah. Maybe he's not so good at being a ghost doctor. No. Um, I'm the doctor until they become a ghost. Right. It's usually how it goes. Yeah, pretty much. So right. then it's just doctor. I stop at ghost. Yeah. It's like how pediatricians stop once like a kid becomes an adult. But I feel like everybody knows somebody who like still went to the pediatrician for like a really long time. Wait. 
too long. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, Get those lollipops. <laughs> absolutely. Play with those like little wooden circles that are on like a track, like a roller coaster. The little abacus thing. Yep. When somebody was doing math and realized that it could be a lot more fun if you just bent the tracks. I say. Um, so the ghost doctors, the genuine article, may have relocated to the D.C. Virginia area. But luckily for all of us, the Met is actually hosting go- ghost tours right now. Oh. They start very soon. I believe they start on October 1st. Interesting. Um, excuse me. They start on September 30th. This is a an event called Ghost Stories, a mysterious macabre interactive tour at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And this is from um, a site with the tickets. Learn about the history of many of the museum's more unusual relics from all over the world, including mourning pendants and mummified animals. See objects in the Met under a different, spookier light, set in the iconic Metropolitan Museum. Ghost stories from the spooky to the scary, the macabre to the mysterious, the ghostly to the ghoulish. This ghost stories experience will take you on an interactive tour of all things frightful all things frightful in the Metropolitan Museum and give you the thrilling details of what it is that makes them so quote unquote scary. That's weird. So that means they're not scary. <laughs> right. If it's in quotes. Yeah. Uh, participants will travel across cultures and across time to see flying Dutchman and funerary masks, still life art and sculpture. You will learn about Egyptian, American and European works of art to name a few. Plus discuss stories about ghostly happenings in the museum itself. All the while, we'll look at how different cultures depict the fearsome and the gruesome in pursuit of what scares us and why. There will be a whole new level of spooky for the Halloween season. Join in for the Halloween-inspired version of the tour with additional stops and new takeaways and materials from September 30th to November 6th. That whole thing was only like two sentences. Oh, wow. That was a lot. I mean, that sounds fun. Totally sounds fun. Yeah. It didn't mention the ghost doctors anywhere in there, though. No, I mean, the ghost doctors were just two guys who went to the Met in 2013. Oh, so they, okay, okay, okay. This is just held by the Met. This this does not have to do with the ghost. The ghost doctors are in D.C. now. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was thinking about how you were like, I don't know if, I guess they're real doctors. They call themselves the ghost doctors. They must be doctors. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about how we have our theoretical uh, uh, ghost show called Ghost Losers. I think they're losers. They call themselves losers. They must be losers. No, they're siblings and they're losers. Yeah. I think, are they both losers? Yeah, they're both losers. Yeah, you got it. No, you're on it. <laughs> they're both losers. It's quite simple. They're both total losers. Yeah, they're actual losers. <laughs> this is Ghost Losers. And this is Ghost Losers. Boom. Back we, to back. I, I want to get a drone. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Right? Have yeah. a pull back. I bet we can rent a drone. <laughs> Maybe we can. Maybe. Um, all right. Can I? Uh, yes. Can I tell you one? Yes. All right. So this is uh, the Red Man of uh, Tuileries. Mm. Tuileries from the Louvre Ooh. over in Paris, France. Uh, <clears throat> long before the Louvre was a museum, it was a fortress with beginnings dating back to the 12th century, with such August origins what does the word august mean something different this has to be a typo i got this from news.artnet.com they wouldn't make a typo hmm. uh, with uh, let's let's substitute with such austere origins auspicious auspicious sure no doubt the building itself has been home to more than a few unfortunate endings and a running list of its own startling tales so here's the louvre's most uh infamous haunting jean 
I didn't think uh, that I was going to have to. Right. I know. You're like writing it. Not yeah, I wrote it down. Not thinking it. I was going to have to say it. We are famous for not knowing how to pronounce French stuff. Jean Le Ecorcher. In English, Jack the Skinner. Oh. Yeah. He was a butcher by trade. Uh, evidently, Queen Catherine de Medici, this was in the 16th century, mm-hmm. she needed a hitman. And so she contracted Jean Le Ocher Trucher. Beautiful. <laughs> there, people are right. It's such a romantic language. Uh, he became her quote unquote favorite henchman. <laughs> I want a favorite henchman. He was named Henchman of the Year. <laughs> Wait, are you joking? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he had a plaque in the yeah, I castle. Guess, I guess Catherine Medici didn't have a Henchman of the Year. It was, a, it was a shitty plaque. plate. <laughs> it said Henchman of the Year, and there was like a hollow-eyed maniac named Jack the Skinner grinning out of the photo. He was a butcher by trade, and uh, he uh, eventually, so she was using him to, like, knock off people, I guess. Enemies. And then at a certain point, she turned on him. She decided that perhaps he held too much information for his own good, so Uh she had him killed as well. Uh, It says, quote, the cunning queen had him murdered. It is said, from beyond the grave, Jean Le Ocherchere returned to haunt the royal family, living in the palaces of, of the Louvre. Nicknamed the Red Man of Tulare's, he can still be spotted dressed in red and moving about the museum and the nearby gardens. I don't know why I weirdly like the dressed in red part, but I do. I guess yeah. like ghosts are usually always dis- depicted as being like void of color and like you know women in white and people right. wearing like gray robes and stuff someone so, translucent yeah it is striking it, it would be a very shocking like thing to see somebody wearing red just mm-hmm. darting around and you 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 think you saw them but maybe you're not so sure right until you hear well don't you know about the red man yeah it all falls into place. It is. It's very scary. That's cool. But there's a, an entirely different interpretation of the red man out there, and maybe it's just that there are two different red men uh-huh. around the Louvre. Because here's another red man who's said to haunt the Louvre in Paris. <clears throat> the red man in this story is almost something of like um, a creature, like a gnome or a little nymph, an elf, okay. a goblin. Yeah, almost like a Rumpelstiltskin. Okay. You know what? In uh, and he's got a very uh, big story where he crossed over with Napoleon Bonaparte. Oh, so the Red Man first appeared to Napoleon in the year 1798, making a deal with him that Na- Napoleon would quote unquote triumph across the battlefields for a decade. Mm-hmm. You've got ten years to be a successful general, Napoleon yeah. Bonaparte, and then your time is up, and you're coming with me. Mm-hmm. He had, uh, he had told Napoleon that he, the red man, had advised leaders of France before. He had been at Napoleon's side ever since he was a child and would taunt Napoleon by saying, I know you better than you know yourself. Oh, boy. So he was really lording it over Napoleon, who supposedly genuinely wrote about seeing this red man in his own yeah. writing. Um, now, after those 10 years of success by mm-hmm. Napoleon, time was up. And the red man comes saying, that's it. You're complete. Yeah. But Napoleon asks, and I didn't know you could do this. He asks for an extension. 
<laughs> I guess with anything you could. I guess it's all contracts. Like I guess that you know the the girl in Rumpelstiltskin could ask like, how about the next baby? How about the, I'll give you my second. Yeah. Born child. Is this up for a negotiation? The first. Or? It's kind of a big deal. What, yeah. what does it matter to you that it was my firstborn? Right. You right. just want a baby. Yeah. Either way, you'll get a baby. Come on. So. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah all these loopholes it's like a con you need a lawyer yeah for all your contracts with magical demons honestly it's just smart yes but so uh napoleon says how about five more years please and the red man says sure okay you've got five more years okay but i have one more rule whatever you do whatever conquests you go on leave russia alone huh napoleon being obviously uh, haughty, yeah, perhaps a little bit it's a little uh, difficult. I think his eyes were a bit bigger than his stomach, hmm. you might say, and so he does. He does try to uh, extend into Russia, uh-huh. where he meets one of his first defeats that many believe is uh, what set him up to fail eventually in Waterloo, right? And eventually he meets his entire downfall, and he is uh, fully kicked out of France. Right? Yeah. So eventually, the Red Man gets him. So that's just sort of a story about Napoleon, that yeah. all of his success was due to a deal that he had made. With I love that. Basically a little Rumpelstiltskin, which is kind of fun. It made me wonder about like other world leaders who are into the sort of like occult or macabre, because right. they there certainly have been. For sure. That would be kind of interesting and admittedly dark yes. to look at. Um, but one of the, the last notable things I want to share with you is that I got a lot of this information from paranormal-world.fandom.com. Okay. We'll have links for everybody to click in the show notes on gttupod.com mm-hmm. but in their writing it was very deftly written because they wouldn't just say like the red man met up with napoleon here the red man did this the red man did that they started to work in little synonyms for the red man to keep it fresh and interesting <laughs> so at times they'd be like napoleon was once again visited by the vermilion visitor oh that's awesome when he was greeted by the dahlia dwarf the next time so on so on but of course the fuchsia phantom came back to get him and when the Carmine Critter returned, the fiery phantom told him, Hey, listen to me. I'm the Puce Prophet. Puce? These are all the terms that they used. I, wrote I didn't down, know that Puce was a red thing. I don't know what Puce is. I, I, I don't know what I thought it was. I wrote down every How could you not? Name. I mean, that's amazing. They're I can't great. believe they didn't go with Crimson. They went with Carmine over Crimson? You're right. Crimson must have been in there somewhere, and maybe I just didn't spot it because it seems No, obvious. maybe not. But uh, the Vermilion Visitor... That's very funny. Dahlia Dwarf, Fuchsia Phantom, Carmine Critter, Fiery Phantom, Puce Prophet. Phantom was the only one that repeated. Otherwise, they yeah. kept it pretty damn fresh, and you got to tip your hat to them for that. Good for them at that big, long wiki or wherever yes. it was from. <laughs> well, before we move on, we want to make sure that you know about patreon.com slash Yes. This is where you can go if you would like to support the show. Thank us for putting out for free every week. And in return for your generosity, get a ton of bonus stuff. We have three different tiers, actually four tiers, but three that get bonus episodes um, that you can choose from to help support the show and get bonus episodes back in return. We have a new bonus episode that comes out every single week, every Monday. We actually have another secret podcast that's called The Netherworld Dispatch that you might be missing out on if you're not part of our Patreon. So please go check that out at patreon.com slash gttu pod and thank you so much to everybody who supports us there already because it really means the world absolutely yeah thank you all so much and really at this point 
It genuinely is that we have a second podcast. Yeah. Because we put it out, like you said, every single Monday. Yep. It's just the demon tier that gets all of it. And then there are other tiers that might fit you as well where you get shows. Yep. But it really is. It's the Netherworld Dispatch. It's a standalone podcast at this point. Mm -hmm. There are crossovers here and there. Like this past Monday, we did Scream the TV series season two. Yes. Because last week on the main show, we did season one. Mm -hmm. And so between the two, we've covered the entire original show storyline. Yeah. But uh, you could have that right this second if you want there to sign up. We also just recorded the next episode of the Netherworld Dispatch, which is a return of a fan favorite format. Yes. Ghost Adventures Adventures, where we watch and discuss an episode of the Zach Bagans led Ghost Adventures. Mm -hmm. And boy, was it a wild one. Look up the episode The Zozo Demon Yeah, if you want to watch it ahead of time. And on Monday, you can hear our conversation on the Netherworld Dispatch. It is out of control. Yes. But it's it's super fun, and we put a lot of work into the Netherworld Dispatch. So I really hope that you consider backing us, supporting Guide to the Unknown, and checking it out, because I think you'll really enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And once again, check out themythtraveler.com if you want to see my writing. You can even see my process. I've got a tier over there where if you back me, you can watch me um, literally write and block out stories and I get into my my individual process and try things out and you can get a, a glimpse at early projects as I'm breaking them. It's a lot of fun to do and uh, I've been streaming video games as well over there, um, which is a good time. So I just streamed some Silent Hill mm -hmm. uh, this morning actually, which I was both terrible at and it made me physically ill. Oh, very good. So you can watch that. That's on my own YouTube channel as well, but go to themythtraveler.com. You can get all the links for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and thank you so much to everybody who does. Yes. All right, so let's pop on over to the Cleveland Art Museum. Yes. This is unsurprisingly in Cleveland, Ohio, Will. Oh, okay, thank you. Yeah. Um, so the big thing that I found le leading off stories about this place being haunted is something that I think is probably absolute hokum. Okay. Uh, so they were finishing up a new Monet exhibit in 2015 when it is said that the ghost of Monet himself showed up and there's a picture here that i will show oh, you oh really um it was a man or you know like a a uh, a figure of a man with a long salt and pepper beard wearing a bowler hat okay as was monet's signature and he was on a balcony above the exhibit so the museum's director of design and architecture jeffrey Streen, snapped a picture so this is the picture will okay they are saying look Above here, that's the ghost, and this is a picture of Monet from ah, the exhibit. I see. Oh, wow. I'm 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 pretty impressed. I mean It's quite a likeness. It's it's an incredible likeness, but here's the thing. I thought I sort of thought that you were setting it up that this was going to be like part of a ghost. Like you see like part of his torso or something. <laughs> no, this to me looks, he's too solid. I think it's just a person. It's just a guy. Yeah. It's a guy with a long white beard and a hat. It's a guy dressed up like <clears throat> Monet. Oh, you think so? I think it might be. I don't know. It does. Well. Look, I had no idea what Monet looked like until today. No. Um, But I, I don't know. Can like, you imagine going somewhere and somebody says, like, doesn't that guy look like Monet? Yeah, I'd be like, I don't know. What? Is that how you're trying to make conversation with me? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're striking up the convo with the wrong person because yeah. I have no idea. I don't know. Um, I mean, I think it's very cool, but I have a feeling that this is just, like... I don't know, like a Monet super fan or something, almost like cosplaying. A Monet because, super fan. Can we revisit your up, theory? I have more to say about it. Okay. They were setting up a whole Monet exhibit, 
Perhaps this was equivalent to showing up to Star Wars dressed like (laughs) R2-D2. (laughs) R2-D2? How was that your selection? Dressed like Han Solo. I'm dressed like R2-D2 today. (laughs) That's right. Han Solo is a better... Yes. You accidentally dressed like Han Solo once. (laughs) Kristen used to be a hairstylist that's right i forgot about that she used to be a hairstylist and she had like a little side satchel thing she was wearing or something it was like it's basically a gun holster but for like yeah a hair dryer yeah it was for like clips and brushes and stuff (laughs) she looked like han solo (laughs) it's incredible (laughs) accidental han solo cosplay there's there must be like a subreddit for accidental cosplay right that is very funny yeah that is really you notice that somebody's dressed like ernest p whirl or something you know (laughs) You've got a blue That's... denim vest on and a gray shirt and a hat. That's super fun. I hope there is. Yeah. Um, so the people who work at the museum insist that it's legit with Carolyn Guscott, the communications director, saying, what are the chances someone looks like that and happens to be at the museum the day we are finishing installation? To which I say quite good. Yeah, pretty good. Like it, it's fine. not like I mean, it like the person doesn't look so crazy. You it's know not what like I mean? Monet is is you know from like ancient Greece and he's wearing a toga. Like it's a guy in a suit with a beard and a hat. Yeah, exactly. the The chances are good They're that a, a guy a like that would wander in. So, yeah. like I said, I mean, I think there is no pleasing me with this stuff as I we've know. talked about I before. Know. Even though I'm I'm dumping over pe- dumping on people's evidence left and right in this episode, I do generally like have an openness to the idea of ghosts. Um, I just can't ever look at a picture and be like, that's proof to me. It's, and this, this, photo, one, it's this photo in particular. This, this, this picture in particular, I mean, just this straight up just looks like a solid guy. Yeah. And so you could, of course, say like, well, yeah, like it was a really good catch. But this just looks like a man to me. I'm actually if people watch the video version, I'm literally right now pulling up the image that Kristen is dis- is discussing. Just, you know, it, it might be hard to see on the TV behind me, mm-hmm. but like it is so uh, obvious that this is just a guy. And I can't help but imagine if I was working at a place like this and I, I don't know, I was step standing back to look at the pictures of real life Monet that they have displayed here and I'm looking and making sure things are even and I look up and I realize there's a guy who looks just like Monet in the picture below him. Yeah. I would totally take a picture, think it's really funny. Yeah. It's not crazy to think that somebody might be like, hey, you know, like if we kind of put that out there like it's yeah. a ghost, it, it could draw of some publicity for the um, exhibit. Absolutely. And I don't think that's a terrible thing. I'm not <clears throat> condemning them by saying no, that. I think it's very all. fun. Yes. Um, but I, I I have to think that some variation of that is what happened here. There's nothing ghostly about it. Not at all. He's Except- leaning casually against the banister of the second floor of this museum. The only thing is that it seems like maybe some, there there's like a wall of windows behind him, it seems like. So the light might be kind of like blowing out the way he looks a little bit like his hat is sort of like i don't know a little blurry or something so i, I guess that part of him well his then his hat, hat is a ghost. looks ghostly <laughs> right sorry right i i just think he looks like a guy he looks like a guy yeah. but i think it is very fun. it is kind of crazy to be working on it. if they're if they're telling the truth that they didn't set this up because here's the thing you might yeah. somebody I, I love your theory that he's a monet super fan <laughs> Really, really. <laughs> like that he goes around every yeah, time they yeah, open yeah. a Monet exhibit. And he's like, "Oh, I'll get my suit out and put my hat on." I, I mean, people. The people do need me. More unusual things, you, you know. You are 
a thousand percent right, <laughs> so. but usually it's at like the showboat casino in Atlantic City. I would not take that theory to the bank. I just no. kind of thought about it because it's funny. But I I could see in a, a misguided edutainment, educational entertainment sense, like, you know, somebody hires a guy that looks like Ben Franklin for a kid's visit to a museum or something. Right. Did somebody hire a Monet? Maybe. I, there are also tons of websites where people impersonate Yes. Just take a stroll on Cameo sometime. Uh, yeah. I and mean, put impersonator in there. Can I just attempt it? Maybe sure, we'll put bust, Monet let's impersonator. Bust this right now. I wrote monster out of habit. Yeah, right. Monet impersonator. Let's just see. Okay, let's see. Is there a hit images? Oh, Lediva Monet is somebody. Wait, Monet. Oh, there are, what's Monet's Claude. Claude? Yes. With an E at the end? Like I think fancy. So. Fancy Claude? Yeah. Claude Monet. That's me, people reproducing his paintings. But hit the images tab. Let's see if there's somebody dressed like that. Um, no. It's all yeah, it's all it's all just like people recreating his his artwork. Right. But like <sighs> Monet is the person who did water lilies for reference, <clears throat> just in case anybody's like, who is this? I wonder it's feeling it's I gotta I, I have to admit, mm-hmm. maybe I am busting my own theory. It's feeling dumber and dumber. To think that there's that a I, Monet impersonator. <laughs> Yeah, it's feeling dumber. And dumber. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's un- but, it's unlikely, but also I don't know. But we've we've constructed a scenario where there are two possibilities. There's either a Monet impersonator, which is ridiculous, yes. or it's a ghost. Right. I I feel the Monet impersonator is slightly more likely, and also especially in the city, like well, they, oh you know this is in New York City, but still I guess I've never been to Cleveland, but Cleveland is a city, like. Can't you imagine a world in which you go to, just for the example of something that's close to us, a world in which you go to the Met yeah. and there is somebody who's a Vincent Van Gogh impersonator, like yes. out front charging for pictures? Yes. So <laughs> that's, I don't know. I, I feel like that the could. The answer is yes, yes, a thousand times yes. Yeah. So you never know. Right. Um, but luckily, we don't have to only hang our hats on the Monet impersonator theory. Okay. Uh, and we can move on from the Monet thing. There are other hauntings that seem more promising that have taken place in this museum. Okay. So Leslie Cade, who um, at the time of this interview, which was a couple of years ago, was the interim director of the Ingalls Library and Museum Archives at the Cleveland Museum of Art, um, had an interview with Cleveland 19 News, and they said this, quote, The museum has had so many people come and go that they are still here telling their stories, and every now and then they let us know that they are here. She said that the West Wing of the gallery has almost daily ghost sightings. It's like super active. Oh, wow. And that it's been that way ever since it was built in 1916. Like it was built and ghosts started showing up basically. Um, in particular, there's a little boy who's been spotted running through the gallery and always in the same outfit from back then to today. They say he's wearing the same thing. So connecting it to the talk with the ghost doctors who were saying like, you know, maybe the ghosts who are here didn't die here. Maybe they want to come to the museum for fun. Perhaps this is a, a sad instance of a little boy ghost choosing to hang out in this place because it's like a big fun weird place and just like running around well also ghost lore being like it's funny there do seem to be a lot of rules that people seem like comfortable with for ghosts and Mm -hmm. one of them might be that they become attached to a place a person or an object yes and a museum is a gigantic warehouse full of these objects with a rich backstory 
history and connection to people who are probably dead. Yeah. Right? Museums, sure, there are plenty of people who have, have like, uh, uh, things that they'll loan out to a museum, but a lot of the time the thing on exhibit is from somebody who's died themselves. Right. So, if we're going to say ghosts are real, and let's say it, mm -hmm. and we're going to say that they could be tied to an object, yeah. museums should be hotbeds for ghostly activity. Yes. So the idea of daily ghost sightings there makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. So he's there out and about a lot. Then this one I think is fun. There's a portrait of someone who's known as the Man in Grey that is by Jacques-André Joseph that people report seeing... Uh, the very man who's in the portrait standing in front of, oh. so looking at the portrait of himself, until he disappears into the portrait. I guess like merging back into himself. Oh, weird. I know. Like Vigo. Yeah, like Vigo. Like Prince Vigo. Yeah. Prince Vigo. I forget he's a prince. I think he's a prince. <laughs> no, I think you're he's right. He's the scourge of Moldavia. I know uh, that. <laughs> the sorrow. Wait. <laughs> what he is the sorrow of? Is he the I don't know. I don't know. Scourge of Carpathia, the sorrow of Moldavia? I don't know. For some reason, as many times as I've seen it, it has never like stuck memory-wise for me. And whenever you say it, it makes me laugh. Maybe Death that, is but a doorway. Time is but a window. Maybe that's the good Lord giving me a, a hand because it gives me such a chuckle whenever you say it. He'll be back. It's more fun than me memorizing it. He'll be back. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So the former museum director, William Mathewson Millikin. Um, has also been seen out and about in the museum wearing a tweed jacket, and he seems to enjoy spending his time in the oldest sections of the museum. Nice. Um, another fun thing that's kind of like classic ghosty, and I was happy to see here, is that there's a large mirror on display in the museum where people look into it and they see somebody standing behind them when they turn around. That person is gone. Very fun. Love it. Classic. And also classic, uh, guards at night report their flashlights turning on and off, and orbs have been caught on the security cameras. Aha. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Yeah. For, yeah. These are all like... What you want. That's what you want. Yeah. That's what you want. Yeah. I uh, Very similarly, let's go back to the Smithsonian again, mm -hmm. because I've got... I do have actual haunting stuff from it, aside yeah. from just the cool dollhouse thing. Yeah. Um, and it's very similar to what you just described. It's it's a lot about the staff, mm -hmm. the staff experience at yes. the museum, which has to be, a, I mean, can you imagine being the staff and getting there or like having to close the place? Everyone's gone. Right. You imagine that like the night security. Yeah. Having to walk from exhibit to exhibit. I would sure, love that. I would, I would both love it. And yeah. It would be very creepy. Definitely. Because you've got little glass eyes that are yep. like watching you. Specifically the Museum of Natural History, I guess, where there are a lot of yeah. like taxidermied animals yeah like the light must bounce off of those fake eyeballs i know i wish i wasn't so lazy and i would go to it when they have these like nighttime tours but so far it's not happening oh that would be fun right that would be very theoretically fun. yeah theoretically is correct <laughs> yes <laughs> i gotta get myself there is the problem so this is all from the si archives yes yeah, so i think you're gonna take us on home dot si dot edu so <clears throat> staff at the museum claim that they are working alongside quote ghosts of past smithsonian scientists who incorporeally supervise the collections they'd once been so devoted to. i love that so they continue their work yeah. in the great beyond uh, the most active ghost was that of the Smithsonian's first curator and its second secretary, Spencer Fullerton Baird. Nearly all of the Smithsonian's night watchmen had reported spotting Baird, though his figure disappeared if a passerby tried to chat with him. Mm -hmm. No time for conversation.
conversation. No, he's at work. I'm at work. I'm working right now. I'm yeah. making sure that my collection is being maintained properly. Delightful. And maybe even just enjoying spending time with it and looking back through things that he had worked on. Yeah. Um, the spirit of Baird's predecessor, Secretary Joseph Henry, was a frequent visitor, too, according to the Watchmen. Her uh, Henry was often spotted, quote, fully clothed in the garments he wore in life, walking through the exhibits before returning to his post, the museum's statue in his likeness. Similar That's to your cool. guy looking at the painting of himself, I'll yeah. return to my statue now. Right, right, right. This is like where I hang out. Um, there is this, oh, I loved this, um, uh, a lot as well. Um, Jesse Beach, who was a spirited museum aide in the Department of Geology, became another Smithsonian tall tale. Um, all right. Beach, with her long white hair and nightgown, was often mistaken as a ghost. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> by new evening guards. Oh man! Because I should really be taking advantage of my paleness to to do that. I guess when my hair goes gray, yeah, you're I'll right. be a little bit closer to that. Yeah. I mean, kids used to make fun of me and call me a ghost and stuff. It's not the same. It's close. <laughs> call me powder. <laughs> Did they? Yes. <laughs> they called you powder. Yes. Oh. Yeah, I know. Wasn't so fun for old Chrissy. No, but it's kind of amusing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so here's the thing: Jesse Beach mm -hmm. was mistaken as a ghost. Because, I didn't know that this was an option. It's not anymore, but it was then, I guess. In her later years, she moved in to the Museum of Natural History and lived there. Did she there. live, like, in one of the dioramas, like that Sheryl Crow video? She, I, Do you know what I'm talking about? No, but I'll watch it next. <laughs> the In the music video for If It Makes You Happy, Sheryl Crow is living in the dioramas in the Museum of Natural History. Really? Yeah. Did it make her it's happy? It's awesome. I don't think so. Oh. It's all like penguins and... <laughs> <laughs> like living with fake penguins <laughs> i think she was more in the predator prey area oh okay it's a little more interesting i suppose not that i don't like penguins of course of course you're gonna live somewhere it's a little less boring if i'm gonna live somewhere might as well live with a fake moose yeah. <laughs> anyway so she was like you know she was like stalking back and forth and singing and there was like a group of like people watching her like that's it's very 90s is it cool yeah okay I wrote uh, I wrote a little script where Indiana Jones is reaching for a jewel, mm -hmm. a ruby, and he's clearly outside in the jungle. Except, oh wait, no, he's not. He's inside of a diorama at a museum, and a guard goes, "Sir, you have to get out of the display." And he goes, "It belongs in a museum," and the guard goes, "It is in a museum." And then they get into a fight. <laughs> I like that script. It is good. Anyway, so Beach. Uh, would she lived in the museum where she liked to wander through the halls at night? Things got a little more awkward, as was the case with one guard who accidentally walked in on her taking a bath in the geology lab. What? This is a hell of a life. How is this happening? I know. I think there's probably a lot to say about Jesse Beach, spirited museum aide. There must be. She's taking a bath in the geology lab. It's really weird. Like, how is how are how are those amenities available? I have to assume that it was a storied, complicated life. Yes. Uh, but I don't know why there's a bath. It's probably, it's for, in the geology lab, it's for like tumbling rocks, you know? <laughs> what are you doing? 
<laughs> right? It's probably a giant rock tumbler that she was filling up with like those little um, paper cups yeah. that they have for mm. water for guests. <laughs> just like took forever. It took forever. She yeah. had to get them from like yeah a little like water cooler. <laughs> she had to empty all the rocks, keep going those like little paper cones of water back and forth. Hope you don't spill. Took all goddamn night. Yeah. <laughs> she earned that bath. And people keep she thinking she's a ghost. That soak. She needed that bath. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, uh, eventually, thanks to Beach's nighttime wanderings, Smithsonian Secretary Alexander Wetmore required museum wet staff. Wetmore? Yeah, more wet. <laughs> Taking a Is tub. there any, con- yeah, any connection to the tub? I bet he was swimming in something <laughs> in there. He required museum staff to start going home by midnight. Aww. Aside from his ghostly predecessors. So was she basically squatting? I guess this wasn't sanctioned living there. Maybe it was sanctioned, but like the guards, I don't know what the turnover rate for guards is. I'm not sure. Yeah. But let's just see. Jesse but I don't Beach. know. Like if that if that fixes the problem to say, oh, you have to go home at twelve. That makes it sound like she was just lingering, even that though she wasn't true. supposed to. Do you have to let it linger? Yeah. What's that from? Who's saying that? The cranberries. Damn it. Okay, I thought maybe it was gonna be. Cheryl Crow? Yeah. No. Uh, but also 90s. So geology, Jesse Beach. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to find this necessarily. Yeah. It does sound like an interesting story. It definitely does. It sounds like a movie. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesse Be- Let me just search Jesse Beach Smithsonian. And we'll see. Yeah. Smithsonian What's Department what? of Paleobiology staff member. There could always have been multiple as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesse Beach from 1887 to 1954. This feels promising. Yes. And this is from the same website, blog.library.si.edu. Um, she worked there for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. Stayed in her position until her death in 1954. She labeled specimen, cared for exhibits, and assisted researchers with their manuscripts. I want to know about her living there. Yeah. Type labels. I would imagine that there might be something about her living there because that sounds like, while awesome, like not incredibly unique what she did, what you just said, right, like right. her job. So why is there a website page about her? You know? Yeah. There, there's Because it's, it's not be, like yeah. a super high up thing. You're right. You're right. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. This post That's was written right. by Leslie Hernandez, a summer 2021 intern at the Smithsonian Institution Archives, sponsored by the American Women's History Initiative. Her project focused on researching the history of Smithsonian women in science. Hmm. That's interesting. <clears throat> that is interesting. It's fine if you can find that wasn't really the point of what you're saying. I just latched onto it. No, I know. But uh, yeah, it doesn't, it does not say that she moved in. It does not cover that. And by the way, don't forget that it might not even necessarily be fully true. Right, right. Right. Maybe it was like she stayed there for her work. Right. A couple of nights or something right. like that. Maybe Could she didn't well fully be. move in. Maybe she did. Maybe she lived there for years. Yeah. I don't know. But people tell stories a number of different ways. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but it did all bring to mind. And uh, uh, we'll wrap this sucker up. But I thought that this uh, clearly bore mentioning mm-hmm. that uh, the Museum of Natural History of course, is home to all kinds of supernatural shenanigans, thanks to the tablet of Machman Ra. <laughs> of course. Of course. You're right. How could it go unaddressed? The tablet of Achman Ra um, was uh, found and put in the care of Night Watchman Ben Stiller in the hit comedy <laughs> Night at the Museum. 
I've been thinking about watching Night at the Museum. There are three of them. I know. Mom watched them all semi-recently. Really? She yeah. Mom did a marathon? Yeah. And it made me think that I wanted to watch them. I think I better watch these too. Yeah. Um, but so the tablet of Achman Ra was what caused all of the exhibits in the museum to come to life at night, uh, including Sacagawea. Who does fall in love with Teddy Roosevelt? Right, played by Robin Williams, of course, um, and Owen Wilson, and not Clive Owen, although it might be. Who are you trying? Um, Steve Coogan. I think oh, it's Owen Wilson and that. Steve Coogan yeah. are unlikely friends <laughs> of a cowboy. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that happens. Whatever. You just want to be able to say the tablet of Achman Ra. I wanted to say the tablet of Achman Ra. I don't blame you. It's very fun to say. And I also have another pop culture museum thing in the Louvre, thanks to the movie Belfagor, Phantom of the Louvre. Whoa. Um, <laughs> Belfagor? Belfagor. It's a mouthful. Belfagor. Uh, here's a synopsis. Not the only synopsis, but the one I chose <laughs> from IMDb. At the Louvre Museum in Paris, the phantom Belfagor awakens and causes electrical havoc. Night guards at the museum start dying, Lisa gets possessed, and Martin tries to help her. Oh, of course. I understand all of this. Uh, you, you, now it's, it's like you've already seen it. Yeah. <laughs> Belfagor, phantom of the Louvre. <laughs> That sounds awesome. It has terrible reviews. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Oh, that's so oh, the funny. scariest reviews you'll ever see. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, there you have it, everybody. We hope you enjoyed that episode. I really enjoyed that. Uh, that was great. Thank you very much, William. I thought. Thank you, Kristen. I thought that was a big, uh, maybe maybe one of the sillier Score. shows in a while. Definitely. That was like a big, wacky little adventure there. Yeah. So thank you so much. We hope you liked it, too. As we said before, please go and check out Will's work at themythtraveler.com. You can go to check out Guides the Unknown bonuses at patreon.com slash gttupod. And you can also go to gttupod.com com, which is the home of Guides the Unknown. And you can find links to all of our previous episodes, our private Facebook group, information about advertising, all sorts of stuff. And before we go, I'd like to put out a call to the people. Huh. We would like to do a listener stories episode soon. Yes, we would. So if you have a strange encounter, it can be a ghost thing, it can be UFOs, it can be really anything that's unexplained and might be something from the other realms um please send that to us in an email at gttupod at gmail.com and it may be read on an upcoming episode upcoming episode <laughs> uh, one other thing that i want to tack on to that is mm -hmm. yes of course we want to hear your experiences but if you are sitting there wondering right now uh have i experienced anything like that also include boy you know what when i was a kid my grandparents told me a story. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yes. It can my be mom, my dad, my friends told me a story. Get their sign off if you're going to send it in or something like that, if they're still with us. Yeah. But I, I do have a, a bit of a, a love for these stories that might get lost to time. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's nice. Or the things that you uh, sort of like forgot because they, they're not your memory, but they're someone else's. Mm -hmm. And those can often be very, very fascinating. Yeah. That's totally true. So send those to gttupod at gmail.com. Even if we don't get to them in this upcoming episode we will absolutely check them out and probably get down to the get uh, get to them down the line because actually we already have a backstore yeah. um of listener stories that we haven't used yet but we just want to make sure that we always keep them coming so please do that we keep everything and we've yes. got a bunch of new listeners as well mm -hmm. the show is yes. constantly growing so welcome everybody and please consider sending in uh 
stories if, if that's your sort of a thing. Yeah, please do. Um, all right, everybody. You can also uh, follow us online if you'd like. Yep, I'm at Chillin' Kristen. I'm at The Myth Traveler. So we will be back next week for more scary stories to share as we laugh and enjoy. <laughs> but until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld, go we. Go we. Go we. It would be fun to go to a spook. They do like haunted museum yeah. tours as well. Yeah. I that know. would be kind of interesting. I know. Yeah. I agree. Think about that. <laughs>